Welcome to Into the Storm Leaders, the no BS podcast that ignites leadership potential and sparks innovation in the ever-evolving business landscape we all work in. I'm Joe Jurek, your host and catalyst for growth, joined by my co-host and Culture Shock senior coach, Pete Hansberger. Together, we embark on a journey to uncover the strategies, mindsets, and actions that drive truly exceptional leadership and winning culture. Whether you're an emerging leader looking to level up in your career or an accomplished executive seeking fresh perspectives. Join us as we uncover inspiring stories and thought-provoking insights from proven leaders and share practical takeaways that enable courageous leadership. Get ready to charge into the storm and become a catalyst for better workplace culture. Folks, thanks for joining us again for another episode of Into the Storm Leaders. I'm excited today to introduce you to Ron Welty, the visionary and founder at IntelliShop, and we're joined by Culture Shock's founder. You might be familiar with this guy. Also, IntelliShop's EOS implementer, Ron Kaminsky. So that sets the stage. You know, we're going to talk about uh, Ron's journey, introduction to EOS, how we got to know each other, and quite a few other things I think you'll really find some interest in. We've been knocking on the door of an ESOP conversation, and I'm, I'm pumped to tell you more about that or have Ron tell you more about that. Uh, because that, that's something there will surely be additional conversation about in future episodes, but we haven't discussed it yet on this podcast. So I'll leave it at that for now. I'll turn it over to Ron and you know, start a conversation with you. Ron, I've been, I've been really excited about this because we've been, we've been at this for a little while, right? And uh, so I'm, I'm really grateful that you're here. Uh, and I want to, you know, when I first heard about your organization, it took me a couple times to really understand what IntelliShop is and what you guys do. So can you guys give us a little bit of a, can you give us a little background on what IntelliShop does and for who? Yeah, so we're a customer experience advisory firm for Fortune 1000 companies, big companies like Disney, Apple, Amazon, people like that. We basically help them collect a lot of data on the customer experience across omni channels, distill the data, and then we spin it up into advisory and consulting and help them understand what to do with it to affect change and improvement. And and you guys are uh, headquartered out of Toledo? Okay. Yeah, we're in the Toledo area. Believe okay. it or not, we do have suburbs, and one of them's called Perrysburg, and that's where <laughs> we're at. <laughs> so how did you even get to start IntelliShop? Tell me, give us like the elevator version of how you got to where you got to. Yeah. So long story short, I worked for a couple other companies. One was a huge publicly traded company that was pretty brutal and I didn't enjoy it after uh, my smaller company had been sold to them. I jumped ship and went to work for another company that actually did something similar to what we're doing now on a simple level. And um, again, didn't enjoy working for them because they didn't walk the talk of customer service or customer experience. And that drove me crazy because I've believed for a long time and I saw examples of if you just take care of your customers, a lot of other things can fall into place and it just always feels like the right thing to do. So I was having lunch with my dad's cousin one day who owned a bunch of staff, uh, staffing agency offices in three or four states. He wanted me to sell him on our services. And at the end of the lunch, he looked at me and said, hey, did you ever think about doing this on your own? And I said, well, funny you should mention that. <laughs> And he says, we'll put together a business plan. And if I like it, I'll, you know, maybe I'll give you some money. Long story short, uh, I got very lucky and he did. How long ago was that? And uh, give us an idea of, you know, the number of clients you guys are serving now, size of team, et cetera. Yeah. So we opened our doors formally on June 1st, 1999. So it's been uh, 24 and a half years. 
and started off with no clients, no field evaluators or what are what were called mystery shoppers back in the day. I hired one employee, a uh, great gal who I thought would be great on the telephones and answer the phone and make us seem like we're a lot bigger than just me sure. and handing a phone call off to me. And today we are about 40 employees, team members uh, based all over the country. And we serve about 120 unique clients uh, across any 12-month period. I've got to imagine these clients of yours have got challenges regarding customer experience, especially with everything that's been going on with COVID, post-COVID, et cetera. So uh, how are they using this information? A couple of ways. Uh, the first way is they just want to understand what the customer experience is like always, uh, especially these days when the environment's been pretty challenging. <laughs> recovering from COVID, difficult to find employees, things like that. So we help them understand that, collect a lot of data, do a lot of in-field experience research over the phone on their website, the, you know, the omni-channel approach. And then we analyze the data pretty deeply and take it back to them to help them really understand it and then do something with it. The other thing they're using it for, though, is to attract employees hmm. because our programs and our work can be used as a incentive and a motivator and we teach them how to do that as well. And they can reward their employees, their managers, whomever they want to, via the results of our work. And it, it's magic when that happens because they always see an improvement. They always see happier teams. They always see better performance and customer experience when they tie rewards and incentives to it. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think part of any EOS implementation we're trying to help clients through, it's, hey, do we have systems for feedback mm -hmm. from our clients and employees so we always know their level of satisfaction. So in a little while, I want to ask you about small companies, okay. uh, but we'll save that for a second. Uh, yeah. Can I hit on something too? Because when you're talking about that, that lift, when there's the correlation between rewards, you know, we run into this a lot when we're seeing what is the largest swing in retention and engagement. And often it's that acknowledgement. It's the leadership involvement, but, uh, Kind of the, the high five, the, the recognition of somebody's existence on your team, especially when you're geographically dispersed around the country. Is, would you say that it, it is that individual acknowledgement in connection with the total company performance? Or what does that actually look like when somebody does tie rewards to the customer experience or, or what you're kind of doing some analysis on? Yeah, it's very custom to each organization. So they can make a, awards based on the entire company performance across customer experience. They can do it down to the individual store level and every level in between. Sure. It's very cultural as to which company wants to do, you know, what with their rewards and incentives. What we have found is it doesn't take much. It doesn't have to be a budget buster. It can be something very simple, you know, including just a pat on the back and just a verbal recognition, because sometimes kids these days that are on the front lines don't get that anywhere. Right. Parents, school, whatever. Um, employers are often now the only place they get any kind of customer service training or even dealing with other people sometimes if it's a physical location. Mm. Um, so tying any rewards to it really shows that nice bump and, and helps to make it stickier to keep people around. Sure. Yeah, I've seen a lot of places where the only... Rewards or recognition are tied to sales, yeah, or the KPIs, right? So finding yeah. ways to still acknowledge, to celebrate, I'm sure has a huge effect on different departments and such. Yeah, there's room for both, right? Like sales and other KPIs are pretty hard metrics to look at. They're they're very black and white. It's a number, and you're either on it or you're off it. This is a softer metric, which traditionally people found difficult to reward around. Um, but we bring data to the softer metric, and so they now have data that they can use, and it's either yes or a no type of situation. 
And then they just use their own culture and judgment on what they want to do. Sure. So in, in a lot of ways, shop some of these locations, right? Yeah. How do you get to all these locations? How do you how do you have the footprint? To, yeah. So to do over this for 24 large and a half years, we've developed our own proprietary panel of field evaluators, as we call them. And we have about a million two currently in the panel. They've all opted into us. Uh, we have permission to text them, email them, whatever we need to do to, to send them offers of work. Uh, we communicate with them a lot. Uh, they're all over North America, U.S. and Canada. They sort of mimic the population. So in big cities, we've got lots and lots of people in very small areas, rural areas. You know, we, we have very few people and we purposely rotate them for quality purposes. We often have to match up demographically. So income, education, things like that. We've sure. done things in the past where we're helping either banks or, or people like that or government agencies to do things like racial and age discrimination testing. So we have to have a pretty diverse panel sure. for that type of thing. And we've built it over the years through, uh, I think they come to us through our advertising that we do, because uh, they use a lot of the same search terms that potential clients do and a lot of word of mouth. And one of the things I'm most proud of now is as the uh, uh, visionary and owner of the company is we have won our trade associations award awarded by the shopper community 10 years in a row as being the best company to work for. Wow. So what do you think you guys are doing differently that gets you guys that recognition? I think we take very good care of them. They're a big part of the conversations we have in designing programs with clients. We're very upfront with them and clients about what it takes to get a person to do an evaluation and how much they're capable of doing, um, whether it's something that they need to do by memory or if they have the ability to write it down a little bit and make notes. Um, we grade them following each evaluation. So we give them a lot of good feedback and it's constructive. It's not subjective. It's very objective because it's a scale that we've created that 10 is literal perfection. A zero is literal, just, you know, awfulness. And you're not going to work for us again, probably. Sure. And then everything in between. And, yeah. and most of them appreciate that because they like knowing where they stack up and what we thought of their work. And we give rewards and incentives to them occasionally as well for a job well done. Nice. Yeah. You came to EOS yep. and thought at some point, at some level, it could help you, right? Yeah. So can you kind of give us a little, take us back to how you found EOS and why you were in pursuit of it in the first place? Yeah, I was 2016 or late 15, and I was going through one of those periods that all business owners do where you're a little frustrated with your own business. And at one point, you kind of smack yourself in the face and snap yourself out of it. And you're like, okay, there's nobody back here to blame this stuff on. So you got to figure something else out. And I was trying to figure it out, and I couldn't. And I'm getting on a plane to LA to go see some clients. And I read, I, I want to say it was Inc. Magazine. It may have been somewhere else, but there's a little blurb about one of Gino's books. And it literally spoke to me. Like I've never had that happen before, right? It was almost a weird experience in that regard. And I thought, okay, I got to check this book out. And the book wasn't traction. It was the first, first one, Get a Grip. Get a Grip, The, the Fable. The, this Fable. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, it starts off with this like great rambling story. And I was like, oh, I got to read the rest of this now. It was great. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I really enjoyed that. On the way home, I bought the other book on my iPad and read that on the plane, Traction, mm -hmm. at the time were the only two. And by the end of the plane ride, I was like, I'm doing this. But I think in the book, it says you got to ask your team and get buy-in. And I'm like, 
yeah, I'm not a big buy-in guy at the time, so I'm going to make them think they're buying in, but I'm doing this, right? right. Like I just knew it was going to work. Right. I, or I had a great hope, I should say. Well, you made it further down the book than most visionaries. My experience has been most visionaries read chapter one <laughs> and say, we're doing this. So right. the fact well, I was on a plane. You got through so two books. Captive audience with nothing right. else to do. Right. So. right. <laughs> and Gino's a pretty good writer, so sure. it worked sure. out pretty well. But so I called his office, I guess, the EOS office at the time. And got a hold of probably his assistant and asked to speak to him. And I think I got laughed at. And uh, she said, but I can hook you up with somebody. And I go, no, no, no. I want to work with Gino. She goes, well, Gino's not taking new clients. And I go, well, Gino will take me. Like, you know, you'll, you'll understand. Like, he'll work with me. And she goes, well, you'll understand. Like, I'm the greatest gatekeeper in the world. <laughs> I was like, well, I like you, right? Like, might have met my match here. And it turns out I did because I didn't get to Gino. Right. Um, but we did find our first um, implementer at the time. And uh, took my team to uh, his offices, went through all the exercises, and they all, thankfully, really bought into it. Yeah. 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 And so uh, fast forward a little bit. How did we get to work together? And, and uh, I know you made a change there on Implementer. You know, that happens sometimes. Yeah. So uh, why and how? Yeah. So we were on board with him for uh, two or three years. Um, I had made a couple bad hiring decisions, including my integrator. Um, I had to uh, let them go. And as a result of that, a lot of other people left either willingly or unwillingly. Um, and it created chaos within the company, which I semi-anticipated would happen, not to the extent that it did. And it was pretty traumatic. Uh, so I paused EOS for a number of months because we literally just couldn't handle doing the, the, you know, the rigorous discipline and the exercise of it. Uh, and I just told all the people that had stayed with me and that I wanted to stay, just trust me. I got a plan, you know, and I shared everything with them and they all bought into it. After, I don't know, six or nine months, we got stabilized. And I called a friend of mine who was a client of yours mm -hmm. and said, hey, I know you're on EOS. Who's your person? He told me about you. He says, I think you guys would actually be a good fit. So he set up a, a drink for us uh, to the meet. The meeting of the Rons. The meeting of the Rons. Right. Uh, the... Uh, that was good. It was a very fortuitous meeting for us and, yeah. and I, hopefully for you. And here we for are. Sure. For sure. So here's the crazy thing. These guys are like one of these, um, you know, behind the scenes, uh, best kept secrets. They have my, they are the single highest EOS score of any of my implemented companies. 94% strong in EOS. So before we get to talk about the good stuff, um, is it true that you've been through three implement three integrators? I've been through two, and I'm on through my two. third. On your third, will be my last. Right, so we'll be your last. Right, <laughs> he's great. Good, good catch. So <laughs> that had to be an example of a great storm or multiple storms you had been through. So, yeah. a how, how do you weather that? Whether going through different integrators, yeah. How do you weather yeah. that? I mean, that's got to be pretty deflating. Yeah, you know. My style is I definitely look at myself first and always in that situation. Like, how did I screw up? What did I miss? You know, how did I fail? I do get my team members, key team members to interview high level positions like that with me. But, you know, I, I take 100 percent of the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the fault on that. What I learned, I think, looking backwards on that is that for us, integrator can't be an aspirational role. It has to be a been there, done that person. And my first two, there was a lot of hope and aspiration because of their track record and other things that they could grow into this. Um, and they couldn't. Um, and so my style has always been, um, it's very humane to get rid of somebody that's just not working out 
for both parties. Sure. If you do it in a very humane way, a very human way, you know, with a lot of thought about their experience in that. Um, and if you do it the right way, then it's as soft as it can be. But ultimately, it's on them mm-hmm. that this happened, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily on on you as as just some ogre boss right. concept. Right. Yeah. So totally talk about that, too, where it's the more kind thing to do. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise it's a disservice to you, to your team, to the company, if they're not doing Hey, I was on the receiving end of it when I was a kid a couple of times, like I was pretty unfocused and not really into working. And I got called into somebody's office and got toasted. Sure. You know, so it's like you learn from all of that. And when you start your own company, you kind of have an informal list in your head of things I'm going to do and things I'll never do. And there's a lot of never do's in terminating someone. Yeah. You know, you want to leave it as good as you can leave it for their sake, if nothing else. It's it's traumatic for them to go through it, even if they're expecting it. No doubt. Yeah. Even if you ultimately are that person, look back on it in appreciation. Yeah. In the moment, it, it's it's different, right? It, yeah, now, it's tough. I, I'm very curious. Now, having the third integrator and your personality, your, it, you know, visionary through and through, and even the mention of, ah, not a big buy-in mm-hmm. uh, guy with the introduction of EOS. What has been, aside from the people aspect of, the other integrators that you had, like that dynamic, that visionary integrator dynamic in a nutshell. I mean, would you say there's been something that's been most challenging with the role, that complementary visionary integrator role outside of just the people that were in it? Uh, and then also something that you've found most valuable. So it's difficult to let go of the vine as a founder visionary. Um, especially until you build up a high level of trust. Gino helped me with that a little bit at a conference where he called me out in front of about a thousand people. And (laughs) if I'm allowed to say it, I said, you know, so how do I let go of the vine? He goes, just fucking let go. You are allowed to say that here. All right. Right on. And And I I was was sitting next to you when you, when he said that. That was a pretty big message, right? Yeah. He was like, who the hell is your implementer? Because (laughs) this guy should be helping you with this stuff. Right. So that, that, really helped me. And I have become a big buy-in guy during this EOS and other things I've gone through the last, you know, many years. Um, but at the end of the day, there's one leader in a company. And when a decision has to be made, like, you know, I know integrators are supposed to break all ties, but ultimately I'm still the owner mm-hmm. and, you know, 70% now, um, there, there can only really be one of those. And I still believe in that, but we we're pretty pure on EOS as I think Ron would yeah. attest to in, in all areas. But he's great. He's a great integrator. He understands our roles completely. He is a very humble guy. He's tremendously smart. Um, he is um, very respectful of my position and isn't one of those guys that comes in thinking, well, I'm the integrator and you're the visionary. So you just get to go play and have fun right. while I stay here and make the trains run on time. Like he totally understands like my stuff is as important as his and that I'm as good as what, at what I do as he is. And he's very respectful of, of all of that. Um, and I just can't say enough good about him. Yeah, this, we're talking about Jeff now, your current interview. Talking about Jeff. Yeah. His last name will remain anonymous for recruiting purposes. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> so I want to go here. You found Jeff in another kind of inside of another storm. Yeah. So can you talk to us about this? We actually hit for, uh, well, I'll let you jump into it. So give us the backstory. I had a longtime friend and friendly competitor in the industry that we had informally mentioned over the years. Hey, we should think about merging something along those lines. And at one point it got more serious and we actually started going down that path. 
And we got pretty far down the path. And to make a very long story short, uh, just turned out not to be a good fit for either one of us. And so we, in the interim, we had actually already merged our sales teams so that we didn't create confusion in the marketplace and cause them to, you know, butt heads if we're up against the same uh, or, or up against each other in a you know competitive situation. And then we had hired a recruiter to find us someone to run the merged company because we didn't have either one of us and they were on EOS as well. Neither one of us had an integrator that had experience running that size or scope of a company. And even then I was huge on, they have to have been there, done that because of what I had been through before. And I still had my second integrator on board at this point and had let him know that he was going to run the U.S.-based operations as that integrator. And we'd have somebody run international and then this new person would run the whole thing. So fortunately, the recruiter found us many people, but Jeff ultimately stood head and shoulders above everybody, hired him to run the merged entity. And then right before uh, we called it off, I went to him and said, so you see the direction this is going, you know, this isn't going to happen, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, so what that means to you is I really hope you'll take a chance and stay on board with me uh, as my integrator, uh, because you can also see our other person isn't working out. And he goes, yeah. I said, so if you'd like to do that, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, essentially at the time, take a risk and pay him what, you know, he commanded in the marketplace. Cause it was a big jump for us. And my, you know, soon to be former partner didn't have the resources to do that. And it, it wasn't something he wanted to do. So, um, Jeff decided to come on board with us and that was uh, a little over four years ago. And, uh, he really did come on board too. I mean, it's been incredible what you guys have done together. Mm -hmm. So. What has EOS given you or what have you, what have you gleaned from EOS as a result of working the process? I mean, it brought structure to an entrepreneur that didn't really believe in it and have much of it. I had typical entrepreneur. I'd kind of run the company myself for 20 years. Did pretty good. You know, we grew, sure. making a lot of money, had a lot of happy team members, had a lot of happy clients. Um, but I knew... I had maxed out. You know, I took us from zero to this. I don't think I'm the guy to go from this number to wherever we want to go. And I could pretty easily check my ego at that door, you know, because I just knew and I believed in it. I saw it with other friends and companies that had hired people smarter than them, better than them, faster than them, whatever you want to call it. And I wanted that. I wanted to find that. And I was also ready to kind of um, do some other things uh, and actually other things within my company, but I wanted to get back to what I re really enjoyed doing more and that I was really good at that one level of the quadrant that mm -hmm. you guys came up with um, without knowing there was a quadrant. Yeah. Great and love, time. right? Great love. Ability yeah. I was really yeah. seeking that. That's probably what I was actually seeking mm -hmm. when I first found the article about the book, because I was in an area where I wasn't doing much great and much love. As a right. business owner who chooses to run it yourself, you're in an area of hate and not good a lot of sure. the time. Sure. So I, I didn't enjoy that. Right. You made me think of something because it, absolutely the the value of finding things that bring us energy versus stress. Yeah. What, no job unless you do write it that way is going to align with your unique ability to that point. But you said something about you, you'd done well 20 years, but that recognition of what got me here won't get me there or, or that mm -hmm. you'd reach that ceiling. And we had a guest on who talked about how many people are in that situation and then explore venture capital or uh, a sale, a merger, mm -hmm. or some sort of acquisition. So for you, 
finding EOS as that way to to keep it going to to raise the ceiling a little bit. Was there consideration? Were there uh, other options at that time that you were exploring? Yeah, um, probably about. 10 years ago, I was approached by a friendly competitor in the industry that was very large at the time, still are, um, that were venture backed uh, by several different companies were in the deal uh, or private equity backed, I should say. And they wanted to acquire us. And so I entertained discussions and it got to the point where they made a formal offer and it was a lot of money. It was more money than I ever thought I'd ever have. Right. But as I started thinking about it, the deal terms were just not great for me. You know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of faith. I'd end up getting all the money as sometimes happens, mm-hmm. but really a lot of it came down to, I didn't know what I would do. I was 48 or so years old and they wanted me to be this global blah, 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 vice president guy. And I'm like, yeah, I got two young kids. I'm not traveling around the world for myself. I'm certainly not going to do it for somebody else at this stage. And I didn't want to, there wouldn't have been much of another role except kind of running our operations under their wing. I didn't want to do that. And then um, I didn't know what I would do if I left the company, which it was clear after about a year, they were going to either make me leave or, you know, strongly ask me to leave. And um, I just didn't know what to do. Like, I don't have any other skills. This is all I know how to do. Um, And I was a little worried about my team at that time because I had been in acquisitions with other companies that it didn't work out well for the team. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, you know, there's things you tell yourself you'll you'll do and not do when you're an owner and you're fortunate enough to start your own company. One thing I never wanted to do was sell to somebody and then have them just decimate the team that helped me build the company. No doubt. And so those three reasons equally, the, the structure of the deal. Um, having a plan B and then what would happen to my team all weighed on me walking away. And I've entertained other discussions over the years because we get called frequently because um, we're one of the you know top probably two in the country at this point. And uh, it, none, of them, none of them ever really felt right to me for our situation and my situation. And so as Ron alluded to earlier, we found, I think, a really, really good path for all of us um, so I can achieve my personal goals along those lines and really take care of the team that helped me build this company. Yeah, so I want to get there in a second. So if you're following along, we've got two integrators that just that didn't work out, right? <laughs> and But you learned from both of those opportunities. Yeah. And then uh, we had a, you know, a failed merger that didn't work out, and for, for good reasons, right? It was the right decision, ultimately, for the business. And by the way, that's a big decision to make because my observation is the two most difficult decisions a team's ever had to make is when we have a people issue on the leadership team, i.e. integrator, Mm -hmm. and two, the sunk cost pivot when we put so much time and energy into something. And because we sunk all that cost, it's time to pivot and it's just like pulling teeth. And you've done both, right? And you kept coming back to EOS. Well, you all, you know, beyond that, you probably then went through one of the biggest storms I've watched. In fact, of any of my clients, the biggest storm I've watched a client go through. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So it, it, the, the biggest storm was a combined storm of two that in um, uh, early 2020, this thing called COVID happened. And nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew what the impact was going to be. But it became clear to us when we lost 90% of our clients in two weeks. It's crazy, right? Yeah. 
I mean, you think you've built a good business over 20 years, you've got all these systems in place, now you're running on EOS, you've got money in the bank, then you have no business almost. So fortunately, EOS helped me through this process, helped us through this process because of some of the discipline it gives you, the ability to look at things objectively, having a plan, understanding your numbers, processes, you know, things like that, leadership, um, I'm sorry, accountability charts, things like that. So. EOS was key to us being able to just breathe during that storm. Um, we came up with a plan in a short amount of time. Jeff had our team bail from the office two weeks before our governor mandated it because he was concerned about safety, as was I. But as the integrator, it was his call. The team rolled with working remotely very well, very quickly. Our business always lent itself to that. But we kind of had, to, you know, obviously, like everybody, we had to do it almost overnight. So I was very proud of them all for that, especially Jeff having that leadership in doing it and thinking of the team first. And then we came up with some strategies to keep our clients longer term um, and, and ensure that they would come back. And that worked. Um, so that was great. And then we also didn't lay anybody off until we absolutely had to, but it was just so devastating financially. We had no choice, but we did it once the state and the feds came out with the uh, employee assistance programs where <clears throat> we knew that everybody that we had to lay off except one person was actually going to make more money um, than they were for us because mm -hmm. of the roles that we were you know, choosing to, uh, to lay off. We told them all, we want you all back. We mm -hmm. hope you'll come back. And as it turned out, we got everybody back that we wanted to come back, yeah. which was great. You lost 90% of their business overnight. And and within what nine months, it was all back, uh, ish. Yeah, on a run rate, it took us about a year. Yeah, but we knew um, our largest client called us in June of 2020, so just three months after COVID really decimated the world, and said they're coming back full steam. That gave us such a huge psychological boost, and the mm -hmm. team's morale—you just hear it over the phone and the zooms and everything—that it just lifted everybody. Like, hey, we might be okay, <laughs> right? Because I mean, it's hard to it's hard to put into words these days. Like if everybody can really remember what it was like then, yeah. you know, it was traumatic it's on that level. Scary. There's some of the, so much uncertainty. So Ev much. Every. And we were fortunate that physically we were all fine and mm -hmm. our families were all fine. I can't imagine going through that with the added burden of all the, the horrible medical situations. Yeah. So we got very lucky in that regard. I remember talking and, and you saying, Hey man, I don't know that we should be doing this planning. Yeah. I was like, this is exactly when we should be doing the planning. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it, to your credit, you came to us and offered to do it at no fee for a while, yeah. which was oh, yeah. very kind of you and very client first, which is our first core value is right. serve the client above all else. Right. And you did. And we took you up on it. You, yeah. <laughs> and I, but I, I meant it, right? Yeah. I mean, that we'll never not do a session yeah. for financial reasons when it's, the right, when it's the right decision for the client. Yeah, that was great. And so you guys now weather this storm. Yeah. And so now take me to, to, to the big one. So June 26 at 1.06 PM, my wife showed up at my office and said she'd been diagnosed with cancer. And they thought it was pretty bad, but they didn't know for sure. So long story short, um, turned out to be stage four. And she had been nearly perfectly healthy before then. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, um, and so you immediately said, I got to spend, I got to focus on the family. Yeah. When we, um, <clears throat> when we got to stage four diagnosis, I literally called Jeff and I said, well, think back on our conversation since I hired you about visionary integrator and me delegating more and more and more. I go, you get the entire company this minute. I go, I'm out. I need you to keep it running. I need you to think of the 40 families that we got to take care of, but I'm going to go take care of my own for, I don't know how long. And if you have some big bomb ticking, that's going to go off by all means, call me, but nothing short of that. I have to focus on this. And he did. And, yeah. I mean, and you talk about having to delegate. I had to delegate. And you talk about right. having to absorb it. He did it in spades. He was amazing. Right. Yeah, I, I watched, uh, I got to witness your leadership team led by Jeff. Really just step up and just take it over. Yeah. Right. And, and so I know that's got to be one of the hardest things. I It's one of the hardest things I've ever watched a client go through. and. Uh, we're sitting here today. Uh, what are you most proud of? I'm proud of how she fought for so long and um, so gracefully to the very end. It was beautiful. And I'm proud of my team for thinking enough of us to let me go do what I needed to do. And I got to spend all the time I needed to with her and wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she'd be really proud of Thanks. what you and the boys have done. Yeah. So take us to uh, where you guys are at today. We just got done with your annual meeting. Mm-hmm. You guys came in at 94% strong on EOS, biggest year ever. Uh, what's next? Yeah, so we're having a team meeting tomorrow where we're going to celebrate the year and update them on our two-day annual session, as we always do following one of these. Um, we had a record year. We we're almost double in all of our numbers compared to pre-COVID which I'm super proud of the team. I'd like to take some credit for it, but I was gone most of the last three years, um, you know, taking care of Lori and our boys. Um, so where we're going is, um, you know, we're now one of the few companies in the world um, that can serve Fortune 1000 companies and look them in the eye and say, we can take care of you at a high level and actually do that. And so, you know, through the EOS discipline and process, that's all we're focused on now um, on our parent company and teleshop side, which is really going, um, trying to find more of those Fortune 1000 level companies of that size who are willing to invest in customer experience, uh, evaluation and, and um, uh, improvement and help them understand our story and how we could probably help them, you know, if that's an initiative of theirs. And then we also, um, Around the time of COVID, we realized that a lot of our incoming leads for um, IntelliShop were being turned away because they weren't large enough uh, for us to want to work with financially, or they wouldn't commit to a, a length of engagement that we uh, would like to have. And it was a substantial number, 60 or 70% of all those leads. And so we thought, well, how can we solve that issue? So long story short, we created a, a product that's called Customer Optics 
um, that serves the small business community's customer experience evaluation needs and lets them go onto a website. And with IntelliShop's 24 years of experience, we created a bunch of pre-formatted questionnaires that can evaluate their business no matter what it is, because we're in every consumer-facing industry. And so we have probably 15 different restaurant forms. We have several different forms for you know, different levels of retail, car dealers, banks, you know, every consumer facing industry we can help. And um, they can go onto that website. They can add up to five of their own questions to make it custom to them. They can pick their locations very easily. We tied it in with Google Places so it pops up and auto populates for them. They can pay with a credit card so it's very easy. And in literally less than 10 minutes, they can set up their own program. And it's a very unserved market because the competitors in our industry want to uh, go after the same level of clients that we are. Very efficient to serve larger clients as opposed to a lot of smaller ones. But this is an automated platform that really serves both sides of the equation really nicely that way. And you guys see a lot of opportunity in, in that market, right? We do. Yeah. And, you know, it's a SaaS business and so it scales very easily and we build a lot of automation into it mm -hmm. that on the IntelliShop side, side, we're still doing a lot of things manually, uh, which is appropriate because it's a, a different quality uh, aspect uh, that we have to bring to some of those larger organizations. Uh, but we still deliver a very high quality evaluation and, and data to the small businesses as well. And already we've served more than 500 unique customers and we have more than a 50% reorder rate. Wow. that business and we haven't spent anything on marketing yet that's in, it's incredible yeah yeah it, and so if you're a business to consumer company we'll make sure we've got a, a link on there small big medium etc um backed by one of the the best in the country yeah. on the uh, on the continent so we've been alluding to this the whole time that you've um you, you've gone the route of of a partial esop for your organization and just so everyone's on the same page, employee stock ownership plan. So essentially you sold some of the business to the employees. Yep. So what, why? And, uh, you know, can you talk a little bit about that process and what got you to that, to that place? Yeah. So I was a little familiar with ESOPs over the years, just as some of the reading you do as an owner and, you know, eventually you hope to be financially successful and what are your options? And I've had people approach me and then a good friend of mine who's a client of yours did an ESOP a few years ago. And I really learned up close what that was all about. And going back to my philosophy of wanting to take care of my team that helped me build this company, because uh, I'm very fortunate. I've got my longest tenured team member is 22 years and out of our 24. We'll have another one at 20 years pretty soon. And there's several um, at 10 or more. Uh, so it wasn't just me doing all this. There's a lot of people that have contributed to this, you know, company that we built and the success that we've had. So how can you reward them beyond what you do every day between paycheck and a benefits and pats on the back? And um, EOS, I'm sorry, ESOP really kind of fit with my uh, philosophy of wanting to do that and wanting everybody to do better as the company did better. It served me personally in that, you know, I could diversify my financial um, situation and, and take some chips off the table, as they say, but also it's a much less stressful and strenuous process than a private equity type situation. Um, it's not tremendously um, competitive or antagonistic. Um, it went uh, thanks to the company that we use as our, our consultant in that. It was very smooth. It was very stress-free for me. 
uh, to go through it. Um, my team did that. I let two or three people in on the knowledge that I had to, um, cause I don't know how to pull reports out of our systems in some cases, and they had to be involved to pull financials and things like that. So, um, they put in a lot of work, which I'm grateful for. And, you know, this is a good way to reward them and everybody. And now we still have the option of, you know, if somebody does come along and wants to buy the whole company, we can still do that. They just get a nice chunk of that, which is great to think about and how that could change their lives. If not, we're happy to keep plugging along for the next 24 years. And whenever somebody wants to retire, they'll have a much bigger account uh, that they can go have fun with at that point. So was this something you had you had in the works before you got into that whole storm with what Lori was going through? Or was this one of the catalysts that that pushed you in this direction? I had discussed it with her. Um, She was a great one to bounce things off of. And she always told me the straight up honest answers. And, you know, you you knew her. She held me pretty accountable. She was all for it. She was the integrator of the family. She she, she made all decisions. That's right. Absolutely. She was all for it. You know, her personality was very similar in that Mm -hmm. regard. And, And she would want me to take care of our team like we are. Yeah. And um, so I didn't have it formally going on then, but I probably started this process a year and a half ago and we just closed on it uh, about a month ago. And so what kind of response did you get from the team when when you shared that? <laughs> uh, stunned silence at first. Right. Uh, they walked in. I had to, I decided to have kind of a party around it. So I have a buddy that owns a steakhouse and he's got a huge party room upstairs and uh, I've had a number of events there over the years, including our annual Christmas luncheon. So we kind of guised it under the annual Christmas luncheon. And then I think Jeff told everybody that it was going to be a bit of a different kind of a meeting. So, the, But we didn't tell anybody what it was. And I wanted the element of surprise. Like, There's so few great surprises in life when you're my age. Like, mm. You want a great surprise every now and then. Sure. And I wanted to reserve that. So we kept it under wraps. And I didn't really get a lot of the questions directly about, hey, what's going on at this meeting and what's Ron up to these days. And, uh, but I, I could kind of tell there was a lot of talk going on, which I loved. Um, so they all walk in the room. And there's a bunch of these strange people in suits. Like we don't wear suits. And there's people that are obviously lawyers and people that are obviously business people. And they're wondering, like, what is going on here? So I kind of looked around the room and said something to the effect of, uh, so what do you think's going on today? Like, I'm, I'm here to tell you that I've sold part of the company. And I go, did I sell it to these guys? Did I sell it to those guys? Did I sell it to a competitor? And then I had uh, our office manager buy a bunch of mirrors and get them framed and put them at everybody's place. I said, unwrap the box in front of you. So they unwrapped the mirror and I said, hold the mirror up. They held the mirror up and I said, you're looking at the new owners of IntelliShop. Oh, that just gave me the goose. And they all kind of looked around and they went, huh? <laughs> like it took a minute to sink in. And then I explained it a little more. And then some people started crying. Some people started clapping. And it was very cool. That's very, very cool. selfishly cool moment for me, sure. too. So, Were you shocked by any of the re- responses that you got either that day or in uh, the coming days, weeks? Anything that um, you didn't expect? Nothing I didn't expect. Um, just a lot of appreciation, which was great. You know, um, I'm not one that needs pats on the back very often or very much, but to get one once in a while is kind of nice. And to get a lot of them at that time was great. No doubt. Yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. So I got I get the pleasure of, of uh, kind of seeing what your your vision is for the organization. 
what's vision for you? What's what's Ron doing next? Trying to figure it out still. Um, jumping back into certain aspects of our company without stepping on people's feet. Because unfortunately, I, I followed EOS like I was told to. And like I read about and like Gino told me to and you've told me to and Lori told me to and my integrator tells me to and it tells me what to do. So I followed that and it worked really well. And I semi worked myself out of a job, you know, and I was doing what I loved and what I was really good at. Then COVID hit and then Lori got sick and I had to give everything to Jeff. Well, now I can't just jump back in and start stepping on people's toes and fudging their day because that would hurt the company and them. And I would know that I'm doing it and I wouldn't enjoy that. So I'm trying to find, you know, that sweet spot where I can do what I want, do what I love and be most effective for the company without stepping on toes and, you know, sort of taking stuff away from people that they might love doing. Sure. And I think thanks to the last two days, I think we figured out what that's going to be. Yeah, it looks great. So professionally, that's going to be it. And I'm going to focus a whole lot on, um, you know, I, to me, it's, it, it's much more important to retain clients than it is to sell new ones, you know, and I know financially and everything, people have numbers and case studies and all that, but it just feels better to me also. Like you're loyal to them. They're loyal to you. They put their, we have a client that's 22 years with us out of 24. We have a few that are 20, which is amazing in this day and age to me. So I want to make sure we keep doing what we need to do to earn their trust in their business and that we never take them for granted. And I think that's my role as the visionary and and the founder and still 70% owner. Sure. Um, I want to focus on our small business product because there's a lot of people that are out there that need help and they don't know where to get it and they can't get it. And I love small, I, I am a small business. We sure. were a very small business for a long time. And I see, I get to see both sides of it. I see these huge, really cool organizations with these awesome brands that you've been impressed with your whole life from the inside. And then I get to work with all these small business people that are still a lot like, like me, which right. is kind of cool. So I'm focused a lot on that. And then personally, my boys live in, uh, you know, Again, we did, we always talked about raising your boys to be independent and, you know, mm-hmm. well, I got one in San Diego and one in London. So careful what you wish for. Careful there. what you wish right. for. So right. yeah. yeah, I'm just, you know, how do I spend more time with them and, mm-hmm. and make sure that, uh, I help them keep getting through this trauma yeah. that we all been through. Yeah. Yeah. I think there, there's so much with that. And for, for many listening to this, it, it could very well be the first time that they've heard of an ESA. I, I think there's varying levels of familiarity some companies that would explore it some that are you know hearing about it for the first time and i i heard a little bit of your speech or your talk Mm. that that you gave uh, i believe it was that day so you you shared some of your philosophies and we've talked about them a little bit today as well right the putting the customer above all else um what were were there a couple others that you know you kind of rattle off that you know are your top kind of like leadership philosophies or things that have come through into the core values? Well, I'd like to talk about our core values because it's an important part of EOS, obviously. Yeah. I was a non-believer. All right. I remember going through the core value exercise with our first implementer sitting there like this. Like, are you going to mission state me, statement me, dude? Like, are, are we an airline talking about taking care of customers here, which is bullshit, frankly? So I was very skeptical. By the end of the day, I was the biggest believer. And we nailed them. And they haven't changed in whatever that is, seven years. And it's and it just happens to spell an acronym, which is script. Serve the client above all else, committed, respect, professionalism, or positivity, 
and um, integrity and teamwork. Hmm. Spells the word script. Somebody else figured that out. We didn't go into it trying to, to do that. And every meeting, Jeff and Ron will ask us, okay, are these still what we want to live by? And we've, we've never changed them. I doubt we ever will. So I'm a big believer in those. Um, beyond that, it's, you know, don't ever ask anybody in your company to do something you wouldn't do or still be willing to do if you've grown into other roles. Um, that's just a lead by example type of thing. Yeah. Um, don't ever sacrifice money for family or happiness. Um, I was very fortunate with the help of my team to be able to structure my life. I, and I, I called it when I started my own company, I said, I'm going to go work myself into a life and stop working myself to death. And I did that. You know, I was working a lot for other people and I was putting in those 80, 100 hour weeks for these big mm-hmm. companies chasing a prize in the brass ring. And I didn't want to do that and I didn't enjoy it. And I told myself when I started my own company, I'm going to work myself into a life. And I want to be, if we were going to have kids, I was married when I started, if we were going to be fortunate enough to have kids, I wanted to be present. I wanted to be the dad that's there for everything. And I was able to do that. Literally didn't miss one thing. Prioritized the family over everything. And I was very honest with my team the whole time, even before EOS. I'm like, listen, you're going to see me leaving at two in the afternoon, three in the afternoon, whatever. You won't see me making it up at 10 o'clock at night, but I'll be doing it because I got to be responsible to everybody. But I was never gone for anything. And and I always wanted to, it wasn't even a burden. I just wanted to do it. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Now that they're out of the house, I'm very happy to have been able to do that. And I would encourage all business owners to try that. A lot of people get their self-worth and their ego in the way. I never had that problem because I never thought much of myself in that regard, I guess. I just thought this place can run without me. I can go do this for an hour or two. Get over yourself, dude. And I made it happen. So what it, there's, get, there's, uh, there's entrepreneurs out there all over the place that aren't using EOS or an mm-hmm. operating system right now. What advice do you have for them other than the obvious? I'm not fishing for a compliment here on EOS, but what open and honest advice do you have for them? If they're contemplating, hey, what's next or how do I get more of what I want out of this business? EOS would be a natural progression. And it really is, as we've talked about it, it's helped me tremendously. You know, and looking back, what it's done is it, it really allowed me to bring structure where there wasn't much. It allowed me to become more professional where I thought we had been professional, but I saw an entirely different level was capable and and possible through the EOS discipline and process. It brought discipline and structure around all people aspects in our company. You know, I hate doing personnel reviews. I didn't like it as an employee because I was always what I thought of as a rock star. And I'd sit across from a boss thinking, how dare you? Here's my numbers, man. Like they speak for themselves. Like you're going to sit here in judgment of me. Right. How about if I do this with you? Right. right? I I just never liked it. And I think a lot of owners tend to be that way. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not because we don't care about the people and don't think they deserve a good review and honest evaluation. It's like, it's not a comfortable thing. The way that EOS solves that for me and us makes it more so. I still don't do them, but right. I, I know it's better well, because it's a quarterly conversation, right? Quarterly I mean, conversation. That's what, that's and now my, and the after. people analyzer. Right. And now my team and the leaders of each area of our team do those religiously. And it brings them a lot less stress and a lot less thinking they're sitting in judgment of people. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, for the team member that's being evaluated, they know the scorecard. 
here's what it's going to be. You're being evaluated on this, not some ethereal, subjective thing that some person got promoted into this role and now they think they can just judge you. Sure. It's very objective and it's great. So there's just a lot of boxes it checks. Um, You know, like I said earlier, if if you're kind of frustrated with your business at some point, you got to find a way out of that or you're going to make everybody miserable. And then you're going to have a bad business and you might lose your business. So what are other operating systems are out there that you could look to adopt? I don't know of any because I never got past EOS. Mm. Um, it's been everything we needed it to be and more. And I could say we probably wouldn't exist as a company today having to go through um, COVID and then my personal situation had I not adopted the EOS discipline and processes and had a little experience with them by the time those two things hit. It, it would have been very challenging to weather all of that. I think of the, by the way, selfishly, this, your story is really the reason why I initially wanted the vision for this podcast was entrepreneurs and leaders sharing their experiences, their storms and lessons learned from those um, with, with people in our community. Mm -hmm. And uh, really appreciative of you being willing to do that. Happy to do it. It means a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, you hear the old adage that it's lonely at the top, which I don't, I don't buy into that one. But what I do think is that you're a bit on an island in that nobody really understands what you go through unless they're a fellow owner. You know, it's just like what I went through with Lori. You can't really grasp it until you're in it. And we've had friends that have had serious medical situations and, you know, very similar things. You think you understand it. You don't until you're actually in it. And it's sure. Being an owner can be similar in that you just have to be in that seat and understand everything that comes at you and that you're responsible for and learn how to deal with it and breathe mm-hmm. and run a family and think about 40 families. You, you know, you, you can't do that unless you're actually doing it. And so to have a community where others can talk with each other and understand that, I think is very valuable. Sure. So good for you guys for for doing this. It's great. Appreciate that. I've loved every minute of it because I, I get to learn listen like yeah. I, I we met a couple times yeah. briefly right and ron the team here through some of these storms everything else like I, I felt like i knew you without knowing you too well but just some of your story with what you prioritized i, I can see based on hearing the philosophies and the core values and how they stuck or or you were like all right i'm an advocate for this now how they're actually used as a filter the esop's a no-brainer it makes sense then, yeah right I'm sure there's some benefits that you anticipate or predict coming down the road, but that wasn't the motivator for it. It was what was right based on that. But what you said about putting family first and just your own, you know, never putting money above, um, above that and that work myself into a life rather than working myself to death stuck with me because I, and I'm indebted to you. I'm grateful for this team here, not only because I learn at an insane rate from some brilliant people with their own experiences and stories, but that EOS life is what grabbed me. Do what you love with people you love. Make a huge difference. Be fairly compensated with enough time for other passions. And in a nutshell, I mean, the way that you described it, like when I was first introduced, it's like, oh, that sounds real great. I, uh, I'd love if that was a reality, but there's that like accountability that, you know, where, where we, it is possible. 
Yeah. Right. And for the first time I saw that because I was going down a different path. Right. And I, I luckily caught it early enough. My wife is my integrator as well. <laughs> uh, she saw it a little before I did, but I didn't necessarily want to listen. Um, and for some of the same reasons that, that you've shared, like that re- re- resonates with me in a big way. Mm. And your story inspires me. So I'm sure it will for yeah. the listeners as well. And by the way, speaking of other passions, um, I've got to say, you've obviously got some time for some others because I've seen your short game. <laughs> so the wedge play as well as the putter is like a magi- mag- magician over here, right? So uh, sometimes he has to slum it and play with me. Huh. Which is I'm that why you've been working so hard this past yeah, year to yes, yes, you know, lower yes. So uh, anyways, thank you, Ron. I really appreciate uh, you telling the story. I'm sure people are going to be better off for it. And uh, let's, let's treat this as part one. I'd love that. I enjoyed it. If anybody out there wants to chat about any of it, put my phone number up on the site and yep. I'm happy sure. to share anything I can. I've stolen a lot of ideas and, you know, experiences over the years from others. It's, it's yep. been my MBA program, essentially. So if, if there's anything I could help somebody with, I'm happy to do it. We'll definitely put your contact info out there. I uh, can also check you out on LinkedIn, connect with you there, of course. If you're a small to mid-sized business, customer optics sounds like a a great option to learn more about your customers. We'll provide all links in the in the debrief after this as we'll well. have it there yep. as well. Anything else that you can think of that you'd want to mention for any of those listening to take next steps, get in touch, or that you'd want to make them aware of? You can have uh, the EOS life, a very successful personal life and a successful business at the same time. Mm. You can really do it. Um, don't stop working at doing it because it, it's there to be had. And if you're in need of assistance with customer experience, give us a call and we're happy to have a conversation, no cost or obligation, and see what we could help you with. Thanks, Ron. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, much. you, guys. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Into the Storm Leaders. As mentioned, you can find additional information resources in the description uh, and reach out to myself, Ron or Ron with any follow up questions.